Section 18 of The History of Prostitution. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Kluckner. The History of Prostitution by William Sanger. Section 18. Chapter 16. Hamburg, Part 1. Ancient Legislation. Ulm. Legislation from 1483 to 1764. French Revolution and its effects on morals. Abendroth's Ordinance in 1807. Police Ordinance in 1811. Additional Powers in 1820. Hutwalker. Present Police Regulations. Number of Registered Women. Tolerated Houses. Illegitimacy. Age and Nativity of Prostitutes. The Hamburger Berg and its Women. Physique, Peculiarities, and Diseases of Prostitutes. Dress. Food. Intellectual Capacity. Religion. Offenses. Procuresses. Inscription. Locality of Brothels. Brothel Keepers. Dance Houses. Sunday Evening Scene. Private Prostitutes. Street Walkers. Domestic Prostitution. Unregistered Prostitution. Houses of Accommodation. Common sleeping apartments. Beer and wine houses. Effect of prostitution on generative organs. General maladies. Forms of syphilis. Syphilis in seaports. Severity of syphilis among unregistered women. The Kurhaus and general infirmary. Male venereal patients. Sickness in the garrison. Treatment. Mortal diseases of Hamburg prostitutes. Hamburg Magdalen Hospital. The ancient legislative enactments respecting prostitution in Hamburg seem to have been of the same character, and based upon the same principles, as in other continental cities, namely, a partial toleration of a necessary evil for the sake of preventing injurious excesses. This may be traced in the oldest extant law on the subject, dated in 1292. In the public account books for 1350 are entries of charges which imply that public brothels were built by the corporation though we find no satisfactory information as to whether they were managed by an appointed official, as in Cologne, Strasbourg, or Avignon, or were leased by the city to an individual, as in Ulm. It will be interesting to give a sketch of the regulations of prostitution in the latter city, before proceeding with the investigation concerning Hamburg. The laws of the city of Ulm in 1430, or at least that portion of them called woman-house laws, provided that the houses should be leased, and the lessee, on becoming tenant, swore to serve the city faithfully, to prevent all foul play or concealment of suspicious goods in his house, to provide clean, healthy women, and never to keep less than fourteen. He was bound to observe a fixed dietary scale. The daily meals were to be of the value of sixpence. On meat days every woman was to have two dishes, soup with meat and vegetables, and a roast or boiled joint, as most convenient. On fast days, and in Lent, they were to have the same number of dishes, which, out of Lent, might consist of eggs and baked meat. As a change to this, they might have herrings and eggs, or fishes, probably fresh water fish, which they could cook for themselves, and to which the keeper must add white bread. If a woman refused the food provided, he was bound to give her something of the value of sixpence. He was also to sell them wine, when they required it. If a woman was pregnant, he was to put her out of the house. In the woman's house, there was a chest for general purposes, and a money-box for the accounts between the host and the women. 
Every woman who kept company with a man at night must pay the keeper a kreutzer, the remainder of the fee being her own property. All money the women obtained in the day was to be put into the general chest. The third of this belonged to the host. The balance was paid to the women at the end of the week, less any debts they had contracted in the meantime. A woman resided in every house who made financial arrangements between inmates and visitors. If a woman received a present in addition to the stipulated fee, she was at liberty to spend it on clothes, shoes, or personal matters to which nobody could lay claim. The keeper could not supply the women with clothes, etc., without the knowledge and consent of the master of the beggars, a local functionary who seems to have combined the supervision of brothels and of known vagrants and beggars. The host was required to provide, at his own cost, a cook and a cook's maid. Girls or women could, with their own consent, be apprenticed to the women-keeper, by their parents or husbands, but if one was apprenticed against her will, and she, or her friends, wished to cancel the agreement, the keeper was bound to release her without requiring the repayment of any money he might have dispersed for her. If a woman who had accumulated a gilder of her own wished to quit her sinful life, she was allowed to tender it to the keeper in discharge of all her liabilities, and must then be permitted to leave the house, wearing the clothes she wore when she entered it, or, if they were worn out, in her common Monday clothes. A woman who desired might leave without this payment if she had nothing to give, but if subsequently detected in any other house, the keeper could enforce his demands against her, the discharge not affecting his claim under such circumstances. Every Monday each woman had to contribute one penny, and the host two pence, to the money-box to purchase tapers for the Virgin and the Saints, to be offered in the cathedral on Sunday nights. If any of the women were sick or could not support themselves, they were to be provided with necessaries from the money-box, to which, for greater security, there were two keys, one kept by the host and the other by the master of the beggars. Each woman had to spin daily for the keeper two hanks of yarn, or, in default, to pay three hellers for each hank. On Sunday, Lady Day, and Twelfth Day, after Vespers, and in Passion Week, the house was not to be opened. If the keeper broke any of these regulations, the council could dismiss him. The oath taken by the master of the beggars required him to visit the women houses every quarter day, to read the laws to the women, and to report to the council any offences he found existing. In Hamburg, in 1483, the calling of brothel-keeper was limited to certain streets, apart from the ordinarily frequented thoroughfares, a rule which would imply that the authorities had discontinued building public brothels, and relinquished the business to individuals. In the seventeenth century a different course of action was adopted, and, in place of toleration and limitation of brothels, strict laws were made in reference to visiting suspected places, and the custody of persons of bad character. The women-houses were pulled down and the women expelled. The criminal records contain frequent instances where the pillory or exile was inflicted for the crime of prostitution. In 1764, and again in 1767, the Hamburgers enacted very severe laws against offenders, under the title of Delicta Carnis, by which both sexes were subject to pains and penalties, but men seem to have been allowed to clear themselves on oath. The officers of justice were directed to make domiciliary visits in search of offenders, and the pillory, bread and water, the house of correction, or banishment, are the penalties threatened on habitual evildoers. In Germany, prostitution received a terrible impulse from the French Revolution, when the general disruption of public obligations paved the way to unbounded private license. 
probably the licentiousness of europe at the end of the last and commencement of the present century was more extravagant than at any other time the eruption of immigrants at the fall of the french monarchy flooded hamburg with parisian morals and customs places of entertainment and sensual gratification arose in all directions the homely simple manners of the vaterland were subverted and a less rigid line of conduct took their place in the words of a writer of the day our eating-houses were metamorphosed into restaurants our dancing-rooms into saloons our drinking-shops into pavilions our cellars into halls our girls into demoiselles in short we were thoroughly polished up by the immoral shoal of immigrants quick and unrestrained strode the crowd over our pleasant streets and modesty and respectability fled with averted faces to the sorrow of the few good men the name demoiselle was granted to many of the common women their places of resort being called mademoiselle houses in those days the hamburgers saw with astonishment houses fitted up and furnished in the style of mansions with costly upholstery and cabinet work among the women were the femme entretenes who received their friends at certain hours and whose favors were dispensed for a louis d'or or a ducat they frequented the first and second boxes of the german and french theatres and drove through the public streets in handsome carriages some of the keepers of this class of houses had physicians in their pay whose services were always available by the inmates petits soupers were given here and sometimes a ball took place these were literally the aristocracy of prostitution the second third and fourth grades resided in inferior streets or in the suburbs differing in their attractions according to the rank which they assumed but all equally shameless and unequivocal in their conduct and appearance notwithstanding this rapid spread of prostitution the police of the city cannot justly be charged with neglect of duty any public outrage being followed by condign punishment at one time a whole shipload of nymphs of the pave was dispatched to the colonies at another a raid was made on the most conspicuous houses some of the inmates alarmed into decency of conduct and the incorrigible publicly exhibited in the streets decorated with inscriptions signifying their offences the voice of the few was powerless against the corruptions of the many the pamphlets and papers of the time teem with the proffered services of go-betweens and even the hamburg ladies themselves were far from perfection if we may credit the evidence of a fictitious petition praying among other things that the ladies restrict the indecency of their costume and not make such a liberal display of their charms it was impossible such an extravagant state of society should long exist a reaction was inevitable and we find accordingly an ordinance enacted in eighteen o seven by the proctor abendroth in reference to the matter it recognized brothel-keeping and prostitution as a calling and permitted it under certain restrictions a tax on the class was imposed and means were prescribed by which a register of all persons engaged therein was to be kept and their health and general good conduct maintained and enforced the official justification of the tax is found in the order itself which declares that for the purposes aforesaid police register and supervision medical examination maintenance and sickness poverty etc and in order that the public shall be at no charges each housekeeper shall for every woman residing with him pay two marks to the proctor's treasury the surplus of this treasury shall go to the hospital during the french occupation in eighteen eleven the police renewed and enforced the stringent regulations on the subject of common houses and women the preamble of their instructions april eighteen eleven is worthy of notice public and personal safety require a constant inspection as well of the public houses dedicated to debauchery 
as of the women and girls who frequent the same, live therein, or dwell there from time to time. This inspection must also be extended to those places which are not expressly appointed for dwelling-houses, but which, nevertheless, must be included among the public-houses, inasmuch as they serve for refuge to the women and girls who wander about the streets. The grounds of this inspection are twofold. In one respect, they belong to the maintenance of public order. It is needful that no one be withdrawn from the eye of the police, nor find an asylum in such houses. It is likewise expedient that the magistracy take note of disgraceful and disorderly proceedings, or prevent those which take place too often in the town. The other grounds respect the public health. The habits of debauchery have become so general, and inspection has for some years become so difficult, that the most dangerous maladies have increased to an unprecedented extent. All classes of society complain, and call loudly for regulations to restrain these evils. These considerations have moved the general police commissary to renew, in full force, the before-enacted laws and regulations, and to order them to be enforced with rigor in the present state of affairs. After the withdrawal of the French, the vigilance of the police authorities seemed to have relaxed, if we are to adjudge by complaints published at the time, in which they are accused of complicity with the unfortunates who infested the streets of Hamburg, and are said, by the agency of a trifling bribe, to be able to ply their hideous trade unobstructed, and to the great annoyance of the virtuously disposed, who, after certain hours of the evening, are unable to pass along the streets. In 1820, the previously existing police regulations against prostitutes, being proved very ineffectual, insomuch that they infest the public streets and ways, not only to the offense of decency and propriety, but to the endangerment of public order and safety, it was ordered that the regulations should be renewed, and additional powers were given to the police to enforce the registry of individuals coming within the scope of the law. At this time we find some information as to the number of prostitutes, who are stated to be about five hundred, chiefly foreigners, and their receipts from their patrons, but we have no guide to the number of women who pursued their calling privately, which must have been large. The civic administration of the Senator Hutwalker is marked by earnest endeavors to control prostitution and restrict it within known bounds. Some of his views on the subject met much opposition. He wished to close up one end of a notorious street, and to wall up the back windows, stationing a watchman constantly at the end left open. After great personal attention to the subject, he published the result of his experience. His principles are those upon which the present police regulations of Hamburg are based. He says, All brothel-keepers and girls should be distinctly made to understand that their infamous and ruinous calling is only tolerated, not permitted, or authorized, or even well-wished. Still less can they feel that they have any right to compare themselves with worthy citizens as though their calling, because an impost is levied on them, can be put on a level with other permitted callings. They must remember that this impost is raised solely to defray the necessary cost of police supervision, and of the cure of maladies brought on the common women by their own profligate course of life. 2. Public or private brothel-keeping to be notified to the police, the regulations to be read over and subscribed, offenders to be punished by bread and water, and the house of correction. If an uninscribed woman have the venereal disease, the fact is prima facie evidence of prostitution. 3. Change of residence to be notified, under penalty. 4. The concession may be withdrawn by the authorities at their pleasure. 5. Houses of accommodation will only be tolerated a. where the landlord is inscribed b. where a resident girl is inscribed c. 
where an inscribed girl is the party using it. 6. Women from abroad, kept by single men, must obtain the police residence permission, and should pay the tax for the first class, without, however, being subject to medical visits. They have the right of the free use of the general infirmary. Should such a girl be proved to have intercourse with several men, or, being venereal, to have infected others, she should be treated as a public woman. 7. 8. 9. Prescribe the identification of individuals subscribing, the details of their place of birth, the consent of parents when living, also, that any brothel-keeper detaining an innocent girl on false pretenses shall be punished with fine and imprisonment, and the concession be withdrawn. 10. Female servants or relatives of brothel-keepers residing with them to be over twenty-five years of age. 11. No prostitute is suffered to keep children of either sex over ten years of age. Even her own must be brought up elsewhere if she continues her calling. 12. Prohibits solicitation of passengers. 13. No common woman to be in the streets after eleven at night without a male companion. 14. Limits the places to which prostitutes may resort. 15. Young people under twenty years not to enter a brothel. 16. No music or gaming in brothels, nor liquor selling, except by special permission. 17. Noise and uproar in brothels punishable. 18. No brothel-keeper or inscribed woman to permit extortion or violence to a customer, but they may detain persons who have not paid. Thefts or foul dealing prohibited, the landlord prima facie responsible. 19. No compulsion or violence of the women by the keeper, nor by guests with his cognizance. 20. A woman wishing to return to a virtuous life at liberty to do so, notwithstanding any keeper's claims. If they disagree as to such claims, the police to settle them, but in no case has the keeper any lien on her. Nevertheless, this privilege not to be abused. If a woman returns to her evil courses, the keeper's claims on her revive, and she may even be punished. Limitation, according to the class of a woman, of the right to borrowing money. 21. If parents or relatives will undertake the reclamation of a prostitute, the police will compel restitution of her person, irrespective of the keeper's claims, or even of the woman's own refusal. 22. A woman changing her residence and disputing any settlement with the keeper can have the same rectified by the police. 23. The women to be subjected every week to medical visitation. No woman, during menstruation, or with any malady in the sexual organs, to receive visits from a man. No woman to be approached by a man diseased, or reasonably suspected of disease. To this end, a statement of the signs of venereal disease to be furnished. 24. The orders of the public physician are imperative, and must be strictly observed. Want of personal cleanliness increasing the virulence of syphilis, the directions of the physician on this matter to be imperatively followed. 25. The medical officer to report the result of examination to the police, and to enter the same in a book to be kept by each woman, to be produced on demand. 26. A woman finding herself to be venereally infected to report either to the keeper or the police, in other illness to report to the medical officer, who will direct her course of treatment at home, or, in venereal and infectious cases, at the hospital. In cases of pregnancy, she is to report herself to the medical officer. 27. A keeper punishable for the disease of a man in his house, and liable for the charges of cure. The remaining sections relate to the collection of the tax. The penalties for violation are fine and imprisonment. 
having thus briefly sketched the progress of legislation on prostitution in hamburg based upon the principle that prostitution is a necessary evil and as such must be endured under strict supervision of the authorities it seems an appropriate place to copy the following remarks of an eminent local writer that brothels are an evil no one can deny still the arguments against the sufferance of brothels are except as to that incontestable truth no answer to the necessity which is the very gist of the thing and which necessity is based on the uncontrollable nature of sexual intercourse and on the circumstances of our social condition the sufferance of brothels is necessary one for the repression of profligacy of private prostitution as well as of its kindred crimes adultery rape abortion infanticide and all kinds of illicit gratification of sexual passion the latter cases occur very rarely with us of pederasty or sodomy we find but few instances and of that unnatural intercourse of women with each other referred to by parent du chatelet as common among the parisian girls we find no trace the sufferance of brothels operates to the suppression of private prostitution in so far as brothel keepers and the inscribed women are for their own interest opposed to it and are serviceable to the police in its detection unquestionably private prostitution is an incalculably greater evil than public vice two on grounds of public policy in regard to health it is quite erroneous to suppose that these legalized brothels contribute to the spread of syphilitic maladies this should rather be imputed to the private prostitution which would ensue on the breaking up of the brothels and from which that medical police supervision that now limits the spread of infection would of course be withdrawn the experience of all time proves that by means of secret prostitution the intensity and virulence of venereal disorders have been aggravated to the multiplication of those appalling examples familiar to every medical reader and which cause one to shudder with horror while numerically disease and its consequences have been carried into every class of society it is precisely our knowledge of these very facts which has induced the sufferance or rather the regulation of these brothels three suppression is absolutely impracticable inasmuch as the evil is rooted in an unconquerable physical requirement it would seem as if the zeal against public brothels implied that by their extinction a limitation of sexual intercourse except in marriage would be effected this is erroneous for reliable details prove that for every hundred brothel women there would be two hundred private prostitutes and no human power could prevent this in a great city and frequented seaport like hamburg the hope of amending this would be purely chimerical thus much for hamburg legislation and the sound arguments in its favor we will now give some facts illustrative of the vice as it exists at the present time using a pamphlet by dr lippert entitled prostitution in hamburg eighteen forty eight it must be premised that for the purpose hamburg is divided into two parts the city proper and the suburb of st paul the latter is under a distinct municipal authority and is the ordinary residence of seamen and those depending on a seafaring life for many years the police returns of the city proper would show about five hundred of the registered common women and one hundred registered brothels the police regulations requiring monthly payment of the personal and house tax and also a renewal of the permission to keep brothels at the same time is a very convenient method of obtaining a census of the class the following is a statement of the largest and smallest monthly number of registered women for several years eighteen eighty three largest number five hundred and fifty smallest number four hundred and fifty six eighteen thirty four largest number five hundred and fifty smallest number four hundred and fifty eighteen thirty five 
largest number 481, smallest number 441. 1836, largest number 546, smallest number 473. 1837, largest number 514, smallest number 484. 1844, largest number 502, smallest number, no reports. 1846, largest number 512, smallest number, no reports. These monthly reports do not show any marked variation at any particular period, the rise and fall being arbitrary. The fluctuation is not very great in the aggregate, although from November 1834 to January 1835 there was a decrease of 86, or nearly one-fifth, while between November 1835 and January 1836 there was a corresponding increase. Since that time the numbers have remained steadily at about one point. The housekeeper's, Bordleworth, return, does not vary to the same extent. The average is 105, but it decreased in 1844 to 90. It decreased in 1845 to 93. It decreased in 1846 to 96. Of these housekeepers in the last named year, 1846, there were males, 60, females, 36. In December 1844 there were registered women, 502, who were subdivided into those living in registered houses, 294, living privately, 208. In May 1845 there were registered women, 505, who were subdivided into those living in registered houses, 326, living privately, 179. At this period there were four registered houses without any women in them. In August 1846 there were registered women, 512, who were subdivided into those living in registered houses, 334, living privately, 178. These figures show that the number of those living privately is gradually diminishing, more of them being concentrated in the registered houses. Dr. Lippert is of opinion that prostitution decreases in the summer and increases in the winter months. The statistics will certainly support this theory, but the difference is so small as scarcely to warrant its reception as a rule. Thus the months of May and July, for five years, give a monthly average of 499 and 5 tenths, and the months of November and January for the same time give a monthly average of 501 and 1 tenth, showing an average increase in the winter months of 1 and 6 tenths, or about one-third of one percent on the average number of prostitutes. In reference to the classes from which the ranks of the common women in Hamburg are recruited, Dr. Lippert states that four-fifths are from the agricultural districts of the vicinity, that they live as house-servants, tavern-waiters, or in other callings for a time, and then become prostitutes as a matter of business. Without any desire to controvert his opinion on local questions, it may be doubted whether bad example, vicious education, ignorance of moral or religious obligations, or temptation, are not sufficient to account for their fall. Aside from this sweeping denunciation, this commercial view of the question, opposed as it is to all experience in every civilized country where any inquiries on the subject have been made. The private prostitutes, whether registered or unregistered, are mainly seamstresses or others dependent on daily labor. These women seem to retain some natural sense of the disgrace attached to open and avowed courtesans, and in their secrecy and quiet retain a few feminine characteristics of which the common brothel woman is destitute. We have no reliable detail of private unregistered prostitution, or of mere houses of accommodation in Hamburg, but an important fact is to be found in the number of illegitimate children, 
and the decrease, in proportion to the population, of the number of marriages. The following results are taken from Nettermeyer's Statistics and Topography of Hamburg. In 1799, the marriages were about 1 in 45. From 1826 to 1835, the marriages were about 1 in 97. In 1840, the marriages were about 1 in 100. The proportion of illegitimate to legitimate children is about 1 to 5, the actual number of illegitimate births being as follows. 1826, 649 illegitimate births. 1827, 606. 1828, 723. 1829, 801. 1830, 786. 1831, 805. 1832, 926. 1833, 867. 1834, 846. 1835, 730. 1836, 807. 1837, 771. 1838, 762. 1839, 765. 1840, 754. 1841, 749. 1842, 702. 1843, 655. 1844, 797. 1845, 778. 1846, 779. The population of Hamburg was in 1826, 100,902. In 1840, 124,967. In 1846, 130,000 or upward was assumed as the number. We have now to examine the physiological and pathological peculiarities of the Hamburg prostitutes. The police regulations require that no registered woman shall be under twenty years of age, but in this they have a discretionary power, so as to keep under inspection and supervision some younger girls whom neither the workhouse nor prison can reclaim, the experience of the Hamburg authorities having convinced them that such punitive institutions are seldom successful in the work of reformation, a truth which will, ere long, be more generally acknowledged, especially in reference to abandoned women, than it is at the present day. The official list for 1844 shows that of the registered prostitutes there were under 20 years of age, 16, from 20 years to 30 years, 401, from 30 years to 40 years, 74, from 40 years to 50 years, 11, total 502. In 1846, of women living in registered houses, there were from 20 years to 30 years of age, 199, from 30 years to 40 years of age, 50, from 40 years to 50 years of age, 8, total 257. The birthplaces of the 502 women reported in 1844 included most of the countries in Germany. There were from Hamburg, 108, Hanover, 101, Prussia, 81, Holstein, 78, other parts of Germany, 129, Holland, 2, Russia, 2, France, 1. Total, 502. The nativity returns for 512 women, in 1846, do not vary materially from the above, the difference in the foreign-born being that there were four, instead of five, born out of Germany. These tables show that about one in five are natives of Hamburg City and territory. 
Dr. Lippert notices this fact as a small proportion, and accounts for it by enumerating the difficulties of local relationship, parentage, etc., which would be opposed to the registration of native women. These circumstances favor the presumption that many of the unregistered women are city-born. The Hamburger Berg, or St. Paul's Suburb, is on the west side of Hamburg, and has already been mentioned as the abode of seamen and their dependents. Brothels were tolerated here, in deference to the wants of the inhabitants, at a time when they were strictly excluded from the city proper. The women in the houses are of a different type from those of other parts of Hamburg. All the prostitutes live in registered houses, unregistered or private traffic in this quarter being rigorously opposed by the authorities. The brothels and their inmates are in the most flourishing condition at the end of autumn, when the home voyages are completed and the sailors paid off. For a time, mirth and excitement bear the sway. When the wages are all spent, things relapse into their old condition, and sometimes the keepers dismiss some of their women, the supply being in excess of the demand. During the year 1846, the number of registered women in this district was January, 186, May, 189, August, 181, December, 169. The 169 women registered in December were distributed among 19 tolerated houses. In seven of these, music and dancing were permitted, and they contained, respectively, 21, 13, 11, 19, 20, 18, 29 women, leaving only 26 women to inhabit the remaining 12 houses. The ages of these women were, under 20 years, 27, from 20 years to 30 years, 129, from 30 years to 40 years, 13, total 169. The places of birth do not vary materially from the proportions given already. Other matters relating to this particular class will be found hereafter. In their physique, the great majority of the registered women present no pleasing aspect. Generally taken from the rudest classes, they are coarse and unattractive in their appearance, and from the consequences of irregular indulgence and continual exposure, they soon lose the womanly characteristics they once possessed. But this is not a portrait of the whole. Among the unregistered private women may be found some of considerable beauty. The registered women who reside in private, or in first-class brothels, have some prepossessing members of their ranks, while the St. Paul suburb has few but of the roughest kind. Physical strength seems more in demand among the habitués of that section than a graceful form or a pretty face. In their bodily peculiarities and diseases, there is no difference between the public women of Hamburg and those of other cities. At the commencement of their career, they frequently become thin and emaciated, but after a time, probably owing to their idle life and good food, regain their substance. In their phrenological development, we find a marked preponderance of the animal instincts over the intellectual faculties. The effect of their mode of life will depend somewhat upon individual constitution. The teeth of women of the town are generally bad, but in Hamburg they are in excellent order, much better than the majority of the general population. Their complexion is pale, and they endeavor to remedy this by the constant use of coarse cloths, applications of eau de cologne, and other stimulants, but very rarely by painting, except among the lowest classes. They soon lose their hair from dissipation, the use of pomatum, curling irons, etc. It is, however, in the rough, harsh voice that the most conspicuous result of their calling is shown. We will leave, for the present, the medical portion of this inquiry, and give a sketch of their domestic or everyday life. It must be borne in mind that the police divisions are into registered or unregistered, and public or private women. The public women, often like Dernen, 
are under the special control and supervision of a police authority charged with this duty. Without his express cognizance and permission they cannot be registered, or written in, Eingeschleiben, nor can they have liberty to change their residence, or to be written out, Ausgeschreiben. This officer is the collector of the impost upon them and upon the brothel-keeper, Bordelworth, which is paid over to the fund, Meretreichenkasse. We cannot give the detailed application of this money, but, in general terms, it does not swell the revenues of the city, and, to avoid public scandal, is applied exclusively to the police and medical services required by the class. The keepers and women are of three grades. It does not clearly appear whether a woman can select the class with whom she will associate. We are inclined to think that magistrates decide this point, and allot her to the one for which she seems best adapted. In their apparel and food there exists the usual difference that may be found in all places and ranks of life. The police regulations, and the generally sober style of dress among the hamburgers, restrict any immodest display of the person or extravagance of attire. The first-class women are generally costumed with taste and elegance, while among the lower ranks plain and serviceable garments are in demand. In most cases of the registered women residing in brothels, the keeper supplies the clothes, and very often charges extravagant prices for them. Extortionate demands in this respect are a fruitful source of complaints to the police, who moderate the bills with no very tender sympathy for the creditor. The clothes and jewelry of some of the first-class women are hired from some clothes-lender, Vermithinen, but others seldom resort to this expedient, excepting for trinkets. The food of the housewomen is good and plentiful, varying according to the rate of the brothel in which they live. The old sumptuary laws are not in force, but the interest of the keeper induces him to desire a prudent popularity among his women, and to maintain the character of his house by the liberality of his entertainment both in quantity and quality. A considerable portion of their liquids is coffee, of which they are very fond. Wines and liquors are supplied by the house only on holidays, but visitors can purchase them at any time they wish. Drunkenness is comparatively rare among the better class, partly owing to the care of the keeper, but more from dread of the police supervision and consequent punishment. In their intellectual capacity, there is nothing to distinguish the prostitutes in Hamburg. Few can read, and fewer still can write. Those who can read seek their amusement in the old romances of the circulating libraries, seldom perusing that libidinous style of publications known among us as yellow-covered literature. En passant, this seems the universal practice of the class, wherever any inquiries have been made. Like other ignorant persons, they are superstitious. Lippert mentions one particular omen connected with their calling. She who picks up any article which has been thrown away is sure to receive a visit from a man soon after. He does not say whether this has been verified by experience. End of section 18. Recording by Jeff Kluckner, Plymouth, UK.